Our scripture this morning uh, that I want to read to you uh, comes from the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, if you want to turn over to the book of 1 Samuel, uh, chapter 7, uh, for just a moment. Uh, we'll read there first in a minute, but if you also want to turn over to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 12, uh, we'll read also there in some other places in just a minute. So uh, again, 2 Samuel, chapter 12, uh, and then we will go back into our beginning, which will be in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 7 is where we read first, uh, and then we'll turn over to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 12. As you're turning to those two places, I believe that sometimes we realize that change is necessary. And when I say change, uh, a lot of times we think it's a format of change. Uh, And even though that may be true, uh, sometimes it's a change of clothes, change of shoes. We change things. And uh, this morning, uh, I believe that sometimes... Uh, there's change that needs to happen in our life. And we're going to read in a couple of places this morning that Israel, they had drifted away from God uh, and they had turned uh, to all the idols and the idol worship that was before them. Now here's the thing, if you're wearing shoes that hurt your feet, you've got to change the shoes. If things are not right in our life and we're missing out on peace, then we have to ask ourselves, what needs to change? Now, if there's anybody that's as deeply rooted in a routine in life as I am, then sometimes change is not easy. Maybe it's where you park at when you get to your job in the morning. Maybe it's what time your alarm goes off. Maybe it's where you hang the clothes in a closet when you go in or your shoes set when you enter. Or everything sometimes has to be precise. Sometimes we have to change it up. I believe that we all understand the idea that sometimes if things are hurting or they're not working, then we want to change things. So not only do I ask individuals or a church, I'll even ask a nation or the Christian people as a whole, is there anything in our life that needs to be changed? What had happened was is that the worship of God had been taken and not just completely annihilated and done away with, but simply removed. And you know what happens to things that are removed out of your life is you've got to have something else to replace that. And a lot of times that's the change that has to happen. Here we read where Samuel is going to help uh, the people of Israel. And he's going to help them return back unto the Lord. Beginning in 1 Samuel, and I just want to read one verse before we go over to the book of 2 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 7 and in verse... 3. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel. Here's what's important. Is that the words of God and the life of God won't is not just meant for one people. It's for all of us. I cannot tell you how many times in my life that I've probably said it myself or I have heard others say. Well, that message sure was for them. Folks, if you ever leave today and there's not something that God doesn't feed you, then I pray that God would open up our ears and our hearts. For it doesn't matter what the message is always about. Is there a spirit behind what we feel that can strengthen us and make us change things in our life? You may come here this morning and say, Preacher, I might as well just go ahead and clock out and go home because there's nothing in my life that needs to be changed. Then definitely you need to thank God. Uh, that things are as well in your arm because we all are battling against sin and evil in the circumstances of life. And it says, And the words the Samuel spake unto the house of the Lord, saying, If. It's kind of a tough thing for us to understand that 
the results are circumstantial based on what we do. When we talk about a change, he said, If ye return unto the Lord with all of your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you. I want you to take these gods. He said, again, he's talking about all these foreign gods that you have and all these images of the Canaanite goddess there of of Ashtaroth. I want you to take all of these things from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve Him only. And He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Do things need to be changed? 2 Samuel, if you mark there for just a minute. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Leading up to this particular scripture, David had, as it's well documented and alluded to, he had created adultery Bathsheba, conceived a child, caused basically murder, created a scene of murder so that he could hide that very uh, instance and circumstance. Nathan is sent unto him at the very beginning of chapter 12. And now, when I say that life is falling apart and something ne- it hurts and needs to change, remember what I said. Change means sometimes if you feed hurt, you got to change or hurt your shoes. And listen to what he said. David was going through all this. Nathan rebukes him. He says, you're the one that has sinned against God. Notice what he says in the 13th verse. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord hath also put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. So here's what's happened. David, outside of the laws and the approval of God, brings forth a child, commits murder, basically, tries to cover this whole scene up, commits murder to try to hide this, fails at all of those things. God reveals His sin unto him. But you think things are bad that God's revealed that unto him? We haven't gotten to what I would... Well, that was the bad part. But I would consider it some very, very heart-wrenching. For notice what happened in the 18th verse. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. David did not know this yet. The child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. They're afraid if they tell him, what's he going to do? For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto your voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? How is he going to react to a child that is gone? But David saw that the servants whispered. And without anybody telling him anything, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So here's the situation. David made a mistake in his life, just like every single one of us in our life can say that we have to. Not only has he done these things, I believe that God is chastising him for a lot of things. But now that the child has died, notice what happens to David in that very next verse. 20th verse says, Then David arose from the earth. He washed. He anointed himself and changed his apparel. 
When we talk about things that need to be changed, how many of us can relate to our life that, Lord, I'm as low as I can get. I'm hurting as much as I can hurt. Let me clean my life up. Let me clean myself up. He changed himself. But what did he do with that change? And he came into the house of the Lord and he worshiped. Then he came to his own house and when he required, they set bread before him and he did eat. Remember how he said earlier that, uh, that there was a concern that, that, that David was going through a hard time in his life and he was so distraught that he couldn't even eat. He couldn't, he couldn't focus on things. And now they've told him that the child has died. He was vexed. He was hurt. He was very troubled. So it said he anointed himself, he cleaned himself, and he changed and he went into the house of the Lord. Our reading back in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, we'll notice that Samuel spoke, it said, and Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel. If we ever want to change or we ever want our lives to be the way that it should, I believe that godly people are going to be involved in that. Let me ask you this. Do you have godly people in your life? If you don't, then I pray that you'll find some. I hope that we all can say in a church house, there are godly people. But the truth is, we all need godly people in our lives. I'm afraid and there's a great fear that godly parents have become friends instead of godly parents to teach their children and speak unto all the house of Israel. Children are not, not, not always going to be able to do what's right, but they need that guidance and that, that, that rearing that needs to teach them right from wrong. And it says, And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel. When everybody else had gone bad, you know what, folks? There were still some good apples. You and I today, we're not hard-pressed to find a lot of bad apples out there, are we? We're not hard-pressed. And you know what's really scary is? Religious people get put in the spotlight for the immoral lives that they live. And you know what? We tend to automatically think that there is a world filled of bad apples that are out there. But I want you to know this. There are many Samuels that are out there. There are people in your life, there are people in my life that I believe will speak to us like he did here unto all the house of Israel. Samuel was faithful to God. Samuel didn't worry about all the idols that they had turned to and all the things that they had embedded themselves in. Samuel remained faithful unto God. I want you to know this morning I'm thankful for people and some of even the number of people that are here that there are people today that your faithfulness to God is an inspiration to me to realize that I must strive to do better and change so many things. And I'm not just saying change our coats and our shoes and, and our belts and all these things. Sometimes it's a change of our life, what we're clothed upon. And David, he had to anoint himself, he had to clean himself, he changed himself, and he went into the house of the Lord. And you know what? I'm thankful today that Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel. And you know what was going to happen to these people? The change was going to happen because notice what he said. If ye do return unto the Lord... Samuel was telling them, if you want things in your life to be softer, simpler, more comfortable, or let's just say it more in a, in a church word, if you want more peace in your life, insincerity is not going to cut it. What do we mean by insincerity? That means people that say one thing, but they do another. Folks, if we want true peace in our lives, Samuel said, you've got to be sincere. He said, if you do return on the Lord with all your heart, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you. 
You know, this morning I believe that Samuel wanted proof that these people were sincere. Let's rewind time just a little bit. If we go back to last Sunday at the dismissal hour and we say, before you come back next Sunday, you have an assignment. Bring proof that you want to be clothed with the righteousness of God. What would you have brought in here this morning? So often in the business respect and so often in the world today, we want to know if something is working, give us the evidence and proof of something that's working today. How many of us this morning, when we entered in those doors to this sanctuary, do we have something to bring before God to say, God, I'm laying aside the idols in my life. Here they are. These are yours. I'm not worried about them. So if we ask you today, what evidence and proof do you have about a sacrificial life to God to be clothed in His righteousness? What would you have brought in this morning? What would we have given God? Well, God, this past week, or let's just go ahead and, and maybe set the foundation different. What if we tell you next Sunday, you have to come in and you have to show all the things that you sacrificed in order to be clothed with the goodness and the righteousness of God? What would you do? And, he, and, and Samuel said... He said, if you're going to return to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the strange God of Ashtaroth from among you. I believe that Samuel wanted proof in their actions. You know what I've learned about life? And you may disagree with me, and that's okay. I've learned it's much easier to say something than it is to do something. It is much easier for us to say, well, this is what you should do. This is how you should do it. And, and this is what's going to happen to that. But you know what? When it comes our turn in the line and our name and number is called, are we going to respond the way that we say? You know, in other words, let's put this a little bit different. It's easier to tell somebody else what to do than it is for us to actually do it. We need to pray. We need to sacrifice. We need to offer these things to God. But when it comes our turn... For that change to happen, we'll tell others that they need to change. If your feet are hurting, change your shoes. But we forget the fact that ours are hurting ourselves, and we don't want the change. Isn't it amazing how much discomfort we find that we find ourselves comfortable with discomfort? I know that doesn't make a lot of sense, but how comfortable we find ourselves with being discomforted in, in, the, in the circumstances and situations. And that's why he said, he says there, then put away the strange gods of Ashtaroth from among you. For all of us this morning, I believe it's important that we realize that we must put these gods away from us. Why? Samuel said, I want you to remove the things that are causing you pain in your life. You know, sometimes there is a painful process of pruning. I believe you realize that there's a time in our life that we must cut off that which is hindering the growth. And there's a time that we have to, to remove those things. And you know, this morning I believe that we all, by our nature, we all have a tendency to be comfortable with all the things we have in our life. And here Samuel come in and he says, if you do return on the Lord, he said, if you want to change, David had to, he had to get rid of his old, his, his dirty self. He had to get rid of his old garments, his garments of mourning. And he had to go into the house of the Lord and eat bread of the, that, that was going to be supplied. He says, if you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange God of Ashtaroth from among you. We might even have a phrase that we say, there's a difference in talking the talk, but what about walking the walk? You know, it's easy for preachers to stand up and say, this is what you should do. This is how you should do it. But what about doing these things? And notice what he said. He says, prepare your hearts. You know what it means to be prepared something, don't you? It means to be consistent. 
When I looked that up and I thought, what does it mean to be consistent? If we're going to get our hearts right with God, we must be consistent in our lives. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of inconsistencies going on. But there's one thing consistent. We talked about in our Sunday school about the rock of ages. There's one thing consistent with us that we have in our life. If we've been saved, we can, he said, prepare our hearts. A lot of people are trying to get their heads right. They're trying to think right. They're trying to to set motives of how to think positive. And don't get me wrong, I'm not against those things. But you know what today? You can change all you want to about the mind, the way the mind thinks, the way the mind responds. But folks, the heart of the evil of man is not in our mind. The evil of man is in the heart of a person. And God today doesn't desire to save our minds. He desires to save our heart, that our hearts override our minds. But God desires our hearts. So this morning, we're trying to come up with all this logic and all this rhyme and all this reason. Well, if we do this, and this is how we do that, notice what he said, prepare your hearts. Folks, I believe today that churches that experience a great revival in their life, I believe that people experience a great revival in their life, I believe Israel, and I believe that David and all these people that experience a great returning unto the Lord, for he said here, if you do return unto the Lord, he said, uh, he says, uh, prepare your hearts. If people are really going to return unto the Lord, I believe there's a preparation that has to happen and you must desire to let God in. And that's why he said, prepare your hearts. For notice what he goes on to say there. He says, prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve Him only. What was their problem in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 7. They had other idols or other gods in their life. And that's why he said, he says to put away the strange gods. You know what, these strange gods and their little G's, he said all these foreign, all these things that don't make sense. He said, you need to get rid of all those things in their life. What would purging like be in our life if we got rid of all the foreign idols that we have in our life? And it says, and serve him only. I believe today that there is only one that we can and we should serve. Luke, let me read to you if I may in the book of Luke and Luke's gospel. Luke's gospel chapter 4 and in verse 8. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Red letters, Jesus himself now speaking, Get thee behind me, Satan. He's going to go back and quote from Deuteronomy now. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. Him only. There's a sermon in and of itself right there. Him only. Do we have room in our life for other things when our lives are filled full of Him If we look there in Luke chapter 4 and in verse 8, that if we have Him, capitalized H, talking about a person, if our lives are filled full of Him, do we have room for idols? The only way we have room for idols is if we remove Him. And I'll tell you this, folks, I encourage you, I beg you, and I strongly want to proclaim unto you, do not take Christ out of your life. 
You need Him in your life. You don't need idols. You don't need all these things. You don't need all the things that the world may say you need. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. We all need Christ in our life. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. He said, there's not room in this boat for me and you. He said, I'm only supposed to worship Him and Him only. And Him only shall thou serve. Him only. I can't, I can't get that out of my heart this morning. Him only today, folks. How many of us, when we came in this morning, we said, you know what? I didn't have anything to bring because all week long it's about Him only. I'll tell you this, I felt miserably by the time I walked out of those doors before I came back in again that my week was not completely filled with Him only. But I'll tell you this, I want more of Him only. I want more services. I want more time. I want more of my life to be about Him and Him only shalt thou serve. But you know what? This world is almost a master salesman. As soon as you walk out of those doors, the world has all kinds of ways. I'm not going to ask you if you got phones in your pockets or phones in your cars, for you know what? Nearly every one of us, as soon as we walk out of here, we have all kinds of distractions pulling us and tugging us and drawing us away for... It's completely understood. If we can just get in front of their eyes, I can, I, I can deviate them from their mission and their purpose. And we have so many things waved in front of us. Whether you're driving down the road and you see a billboard to something that pops up on a, a, a television, to a sign on a wall at a supermarket, all these things over and over and over again are thrown in front of us. So, And I'm not just talking about marketing. I'm talking about things are tossed in front of us where our lives are not him only should we serve. We let all these other things creep in and notice what Samuel said. If you do return to the Lord with all your hearts and put away the strange God of Ashtaroth uh, and the strange gods and Ashtaroth, the goddess there, from among you and prepare your hearts on the Lord and serve Him only. We haven't got to the best part. He will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. Now, let's talk about the Philistines for a minute. The Philistines absolutely were in the minds of the Israelites. And the reason is, if they, could, they didn't have to always win the battle, they just wanted to mess and intimidate the Israelites that they were never going to win. Sometimes we get that mentality that we're, we're, we're never going to win. We're always going to lose, folks. The church is going to win. I can tell you right now, the church is going to stand when everything else uh, seemingly has lost their morals and ethics. The church is still standing. His word is even going to stand when the world is on fire. Aren't you glad this morning that we serve a God that, that we believe is going to deliver us out of the hand, as he said there, of the Philistines. Conditions come along. Conditions have to be met. And when those conditions are met, guess what God will do? God will provide for us what we need that we can overcome the enemy. How do we know that things are changing? How do we know that things are, the hearts of people are changing? I thought of some scripture in the book of Nehemiah. If I can turn over and read for just a minute. Nehemiah chapter 8. I want you to notice what's happening. Here we are, 2021. We started the first Sunday of October in 2021. A lot of times people want the Word of God to stay in the church house. Don't, don't take it out there. Let's just keep it in the church house. Well, a true revival or a true uh, turning back to God, let's read if you can. The book of Nehemiah chapter 8. And I don't want to wear your patience, but I want you to notice what happened this morning. Verse 1 said, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street. 
They were outside. They were in the street. And before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses. They said, you know what? Our lives are not the way they should be. We're not abiding by what we should abide by. So why don't you bring us the law and read the law to us? Do you notice the hunger that they had for the words of God? Folks, today a true revival is a hunger that we can remove the idols, take God's Word, apply it to our life, not just check off on Sunday morning, I've heard it, but I'm saying apply it. And Ezra the priest, they wanted to hear it, guess what? Okay, he brought the Lord before the congregation. It wasn't a select full of people. Remember how we said earlier that, that Samuel went into all uh, of, of Israel? Here we notice, he said, He brought the law to both the men and the women, and all that can hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday. Boy, that's a long time. So I want you to imagine these people for just a minute. They're all on the outside. They've gathered in and they said, We want to hear the word. And you know what? They didn't grow tired and weary. They said, we're listening to the Word, but what are we going to do with the Word? They said, so notice, notice what happened. You're going to notice the people's going to migrate from the streets to the house of God. Folks, today, think about, notice, let's just read this. And it says, and Ezra, excuse me, the third verse said, and he read there upon the street that was before the water gate in the morning and the midday before the men and the women, before the, uh, and those that could understand and the ears of the people were attentive unto the book of the law. So now it says, and Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood. So now the same word that was going on out there was the same word they were getting in a, from a pulpit. He said, I want to read this to them too. You know, sometimes we think the word of God is just meant from a pulpit and the word. Folks, I would disagree with that. I believe the word of God belongs out there just as much as it does in here. I believe the word of God is important in the world as it is in here. He said he stood upon a pulpit. Let's read the, the fifth verse. He talks about who he stood before. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was above all the people. You, I'm on a platform this morning. I'm not above you as far as I have greater character than you. I'm above you in a platform because his word is reverenced and it's desired to be, to be heard. He says, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. In other words, they were totally focused on what was going on. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. With the lifting up of their hands, and they bowed their heads, and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Well, what kind of scene would that be? You go into church house, the word of God is being proclaimed, Amens, and the lifting of the hands. People might look at us like we're crazy and we're funny. But I'll tell you this, folks. The sooner we let out the joy that's inside of us, the more joy we're going to have in our life. It says, Amen, Amen. But notice what happened in that eighth verse. And they read the book and the law of God distinctly. And they gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And let's just keep going down. Uh, let's skip down to about the 12th verse. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make gray myrrh because they had understood the words which were declared unto them. 
When we talk about a change in their life, no longer was it ignoring the Word of God. They said, all the people came together in the street and said, Ezra, we want to hear something from the Word, from the, from the book of the law. You know what? He obliged them. He said, okay. Then he came into the church house, I can envision, and he stood in a pulpit, a wood place, and he said, you know what? I'm going to read this Word to you again. That's a change. A change of things that were happening. They wanted to get rid of the old and the new. And then all of a sudden, and the people were listening. And not only were they listening, they were applying it to their lives. Saying is one thing, doing is something else. This morning I'm asking you, do you believe that there's places in our life to get changed or that we go through a change in our life? Do you think there's times in our life when we have to change? That we have to change and get rid of the things that are hurting in our life. And it's not that we're getting rid of them. We're saying, God, let us have a total focus on your word in our life. Idols have a tendency to creep in. And all these things that come in, they're distractors and they're, they're mains and they're methods to come in to get us away from God. And that's why we read to you there in the very beginning in 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 3. He said, He's speaking to all the house of Israel. These people, he said, should know that if you do return to the Lord with all your hearts. He said, if you're going to do it, he said, you're going to have to change what's going on. I'm reminded of one other place, and I'm going to hush here in just a minute. The book of Genesis chapter 35. The book of Genesis chapter 35. Some familiar scripture here in the first verse. Genesis 35 and 1, God said unto Jacob, Arise and go up to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods. Do you know what the word strange means, don't you? Foreign. These things that are not known, he said, Put away the strange gods that are among you. You mean to tell us in our own lives we can have things that are not pleasing to God? Folks, the sooner we notice that, the better our lives are going to be. That is very possible for things to be in our life that God does not want. He said, the strange gods that are among you, He said, and be ye clean. But that's not the end of the sentence. And change your garments. He said, change Get rid of them. Move them. This morning, do you believe that things need to change? Samuel went to the people of Israel and he says, If you return to the Lord, if you do return to the Lord with all your hearts, and then put away the strange gods of Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve Him only, He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So this morning, I'm going to ask you something. Before we say amen and turn off the lights and walk out these doors... Is there anything you need to be delivered from? Anything. If that's the case, what's preventing that from happening? It's maybe there's other things in our life. Pride. I don't know. There's all kinds of things that can enter our life. Would you remove them this morning? I'd like for us to get a song if we could.